Operation Confidence proudly presents America's Invisible Heroes radio talk show. Tune in weekly on Sundays from 2 p.m. to 3.30 p.m. Pacific time with your host, Consuela Mackey, co-host, U.S. Air Force veteran, Matt Davidson, announcer, Taylor Marcella, U.S. Army veteran and Strategies for Hope segment host, Dr. Kathy Cash, U.S. Army Reserve veteran and entertainment segment host, Charles Whitehead, U.S. Army Special Forces veteran, and I once was whole segment host, Richard Cook, U.S. Army veteran and lifeline for women's veterans segment host, Martha, Elena, Varela, National Faith Director, Chaplain, and Veterans of Recovery segment host, Anthony, Akinpora, and U.S. Air Force veteran and incarcerated to success segment host, Kevin, Lewandowski. For more information or to be a guest on our show, email info at operationconfidence.org. Operation Confidence is a grassroots nonprofit. The organization's mission is to provide stable housing for veterans who have experienced homelessness as well as providing a wide range of supportive services. To help accomplish our goal, a successful landowner has donated land for the project, a world-renowned architect has offered to design the houses, and construction classes from the local community colleges will take part in building the houses. Your support and donations are needed. To get involved, please visit our website at www.operationconfidence.org or email info at operationconfidence.com. Okay, welcome everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Americans Invisible Heroes, a show dedicated to our veterans and their families. Yes, I'm your host, Consuela Mackey, Executive Director of a grassroots nonprofit organization called Operation Confidence. No, I'm not a veteran, but my heart goes out to our American heroes, especially those who are disabled and may have experienced homelessness. For those who are new to the show, American Invisible Heroes was established to provide a platform for our veterans and their families to share experiences, heartfelt stories, resources, challenges, and accomplishments. Now, allow me to introduce our co-host for today. We have U.S. Army Reserve veteran Charles Whitehead, who's a board member. Taylor Marcella, she's also a board member and one of our announcers. Darcy Dijon, she has a monthly segment called Make Music LA. And Montague, she has a bi-monthly segment called The Roses Movement. Then we have US Special Air, US Army Special Force, Forces, Forces veteran, excuse me for the tongue tie, Richard Cook. He has a bi-monthly segment called I Once Was Whole. Then last but not least, we have Air Force veteran Joshua Irwin. She, he's a board member and he has a monthly segment called Veterans Outreach. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. Okay, first of all, before we get started, Operation Confidence and the American Invisible Heroes team would like to honor our Hispanic Heritage Month and all that began actually on Thursday, September 15th. And our friends at the Farm celebrating Young Kipper. That began on Wednesday, October the 6th. Okay, so Anne, it's on you, girl. Tell us about Kitty. Well, I'm hoping that, uh, do you have the photos there, uh, Charles? The photos? That, uh, I sent photos over to you about Kitty. You mean the email? Yeah, about oh. three or four days ago. Didn't get them? No, sorry. Let me look. 
Let's see if uh, he got them, but he probably have to look for them. Why don't you start telling us okay, about them? Let me just um, start from a little bit of background here. Um, uh, in June, we made the decision and got a grant, small grant, to name classrooms across America for Rosie the Riveters. We chose a small school and um, it's working so beautifully. So on um, October 18th, we will be celebrating that there is a school that two uh, classrooms for Rosie the Riveters. The artwork is beautiful and from the Netherlands. And one of the uh, guests will be a woman whose name is uh, Kitty Baxter. Kitty is 93 years old. She wow. was a child through World War II. And um, in, uh, she has a book called I'll Take That One, which is about during the bombings, the government there in England uh, made sure that this, the children were taken out into the countryside. They paid people to take them. I always thought they probably went into very welcoming families, but at least in Kitty's stories, they were not. So it took her three to four different, uh, they took her three to four different times and each situation was very different, um, but uh, she survived the war. Now, the important thing is that she is now going to be a guest at this October 18th event at the school and um, very soon in a day or so, I'll be sending over to Consuela and anybody else that wants to be uh, emailed a way for you to come in and see that celebration in this small school of about 600 students. Where is that located? It's in a little town called Glenville, West Virginia. It's mm -hmm. in a mountain. And we chose it because the people up there have already done an excellent job to honor the Rosies. They made a, oh. they took a section of their park and donated it to the Rosies. Really? The bell and that's there. They put a bluebird on top of the bell. Most of all, the Girl Scout troop has oh. the Girl Scout um, that rang the first bell is mm -hmm. from town, and they've been to Washington with us numerous times. So right. I want to invite you all into that. Now, let me tell you more about Kitty than you will learn on the 18th. If, I mean, the 19th, if you get to come in by teams. Um, Kitty was born uh, nine years before me. So I was born in 39. So she was born in 1930. She was a child through the war. And of course, the war started in England long before it started here. It started in 39. And... Um, when she was a very small child, she had a really happy uh, family. They were very poor. Her father was a street cleaner, and her mother was a stay-at-home mom with five children. You'll learn when you get to know, and I'm going to be interviewing her, by the way, on um, Zoom in a few days. She was uh, not able to be interviewed today, um, but I will be interviewing her, and if nothing else, we'll put it on um, video. Uh, a video. The right. problem is that she's in London and the time in London is 11 o'clock when it's five o'clock here and two o'clock there. Oh, wow. So she just, it's just too late in the, the day. But mm. the, important, the important thing is I think she is so um, adamant 
about uh, children in the war, in any war, and she reaches out to children through um, not only her childhood story, but she's also a speaker at a museum there in London. It's all about World War II. It's called the Imperial War, War Museum. You're going to love her. She uh, did not grow up in a sophisticated household. Um, I don't know if you um, know different accents there in London, but um, if you're born, you know, essentially in a blue, a, a blue collar family, you typically have a different accent. It's called a Cockney accent. Oh, wow. Very special person. And I can't wait to get her um, video over to you at least. Yeah. Now that she can come in at 11. But also, please mark on your calendar. It's October 19th. I'm going to be sending you an invitation. Anybody wants to, uh, me to send them an invitation for a team meeting. It's uh, one o'clock our time. Uh, so that's 10 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And I will have you there um, to be able to share this opening of a, um, two school rooms that um, will be the first to be named Rosie the Riveter of School Rooms in America. And we hope to have a school in Los Angeles no later than March that will name a schoolroom and follow our lead. Wow, that is so beautiful. Good, isn't it? I have to commend you, though, girlfriend. You have worked so hard for the I, 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 I don't deny it. <laughs> how, many, how long have you been working to make this Rosie's movement move the way that years. it is now? 14 yeah, years. 14 years. You're and the daughter of a Rosie, right? Yes, I am. Mm -hmm. Tell and, us a little bit about you real quick. Well, um, it's uh, interesting you ask because tomorrow I'm going to be having a meeting with, um, if you all know the Moth, that's a program on public radio. And uh, I think they're going to feature me. But I grew up in um, essentially uh, being born in 39 with my father in the military. My mother went into a factory, which was in walking distance of my grandparents' home where, where we lived. And I remember the war and I remember VJ Day, the end of the war. And I made a promise to my grandmother and the day I started to school, which was two weeks after the end of the war, that uh, she took me to the front gate and said to me, um, she wouldn't let me open the gate. She stood there and made me make this promise that she said, you're a very, very lucky girl. You're going to grow up in a free world you're gonna get an education, you're gonna have more opportunities than women have ever had. And I want you to promise me you won't waste your freedom. Wow. I did not know exactly what that meant, but she made me repeat back to her, I will not waste my freedom. That's, that's you've been doing some amazing stuff I, out here, girl. I feel, I feel that I wanted to do it all my life, do something, but I didn't know what. But I feel this was God sent for me to be able to do this. Right. Well, you've done some 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 amazing. And then you've had some of the girls on the show, like 99, 98, 100 uh -huh. years old. And they're amazing. Oh my they're, God. They're, they're amazing women. They're oh. amazing women. And they're so authentic. One of the things that I have problems with personally is I don't like to be around people that I feel are phony. 
and I don't particularly get a, along well with, um, you know, um, politicians <laughs> because I don't take them very seriously and they, they want me to honor them and I don't usually do that. No, I don't think <laughs> so, they um, One of the things we've had to cope with with this 14-year um, um, for preparation is you have to always enter, interact with government but that mm -hmm. you can start with an elected official. And I typically don't do very well at that. Uh, <laughs> so now we've got schools that are working without the government. Yeah. Oh, that is so fabulous. Do you know a school in Los Angeles? No, I do not. And if you all have a school that you think would be a, a good target for us, we were, were ready to do that. Is that elementary, high school, middle Doesn't school? Matter. Doesn't matter. All right. Uh, see what, I'll see what I can do on this then. Yeah, and we can show. Give me it. some information so I can forward it to I will do that. Okay. All right, and I I really appreciate everybody on the in this group. Uh, I think you've opened a new world for me, and I've opened a new world for you. And right. What we ask is for people to be uh, authentic and to care about the mission, not about just the organization right many, many groups start out with a good mission but they end up doing administrative things and competing with others mm -hmm. and all that. no but we're not we're good. not like that we're just old school trying to make a difference right. you know? make a difference that's yeah all. and that's and so wonderful and i just so much my dear appreciate you so much and those those girls that have come on like i say 98 99 and can remember everything. I know. You know. Charles and I always say it. We can go in the next room. You too, Josh. Can go in the next room and come with us. What did I come in here for? <laughs> yeah, I like the one that was on the last time. I said she could be my representative. Which uh, one was that, Charles? Um, was it Bessie? Or? Uh, no, her name is uh, Ethel Mar Margolin. Ethel, yeah. Ethel was like. She's right there in Los Angeles. So. We oh, may get really? her to help us name the school. Oh, she, really? Yeah, okay. Make sure she comes back on and any of the other ladies that are available too. We know that they're up in age now, but we just love them so much. It's so amazing. And I, well, I can say can remember every day. They are fading and they're fading fast. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing is that we have to capture it as often as we can. Right, right. With kind hearted yeah. people like you all and people who really care about what, what's happening in America. Yeah. Well, hey, let's Anne, hope, I, we, um, hope we can uh, make a difference here. Charles, you have something to say? Yeah, I'm, uh, your email was in my spam. So there's a picture of Kitty and then there's one with uh, another one with her on uh, Amazon. Is that what you sent me? Yes. Uh -huh. Can you oh, show I'll share. I'll share you. There's Kitty. Oh, she's so cute. She's beautiful, yeah yeah okay she, she, she was not um she didn't have a professional job she worked in a restaurant for something like 35 years i don't remember the number of years mm. and, uh, her father was a street cleaner he did not have to go to the war effort but uh he eventually went in to do his part and he was killed through the war and oh she, my she never got over it for sure oh that's it's too sad but it's wonderful her contribution and that's the name of her book. And I, I really recommend it. I don't typically recommend books. Uh, they're done by academicians and nobody can read them and all that. But on Amazon, this is a wonderful book. 
that is, uh, and by the way, this publisher um, is very, very interested in helping us. So if you know anybody that would want to um, have Kitty, maybe talk to a veterans group or whatever, we can set that up. Well, make sure you set it up for here first. I will. Oh, yeah, that's what I, yeah. I'm, I'm supposed to be able to interview her next week, if not next week, very soon. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much. That was so informative. And she seems like she's so precious, as all the other girls that you've had on. And uh, let's make a mention of the name of the book for our radio listeners. Um, that's true. I'll take that one. And it's called An Evacuee's Childhood. And of course, it doesn't mention on the cover that this is World War II evacuee. Uh, and but the fact is that most people think of an evacuee going to another country. She just went from London into the countryside where um, the bombings rarely took place when London was being bombed constantly. And it's a fascinating book of their, uh, uh, you know, having to go hide in underground and um, there being one bucket for tons and tons of people and uh, you know and the incredible thing is that she takes a very serious story and makes it so palatable it's, wow. it's not depressing in any way it's very hopeful that's so cool well um, in case anyone wants to know more about what you're doing give your information out your email address and phone number okay it's team we have we have radio satellite listeners now so you okay. have to give your information uh the email address is team t-e-a-m at american rosie r-o-s-i-e movement.org the web repeat that team at american rosie movement.org and then our website is AmericanRosieMovement.org and telephone number 304-776-4743. Give your number out again. 304-776-4743. Great. Thank and you so that's, much. That's the landline. All right. You're going to hang around for a while, hopefully. I'm going to hang around as long as my as you can. Uh, uh, battery. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Take it away, Taylor. Jasmine and I graduated from the same college. One day when we met for lunch, she shared some shocking news about her new job. She had a particularly bad experience with a supervisor who was, att who was attempting to force um, her to quit the company. He was making various disparaging statements that she was crippled, a broken person, dysfunctional, useless, so on and so forth, while making unreasonable demands and working assignments um, in an attempt to get her in trouble with the others. While there is research on disability discrimination in hiring and in the workplace, there is very little known about the workplace bullying encouraged by employees with disabilities. October 16th through the 22nd has been designated as Freedom from Workplace Bullies Week, making this an opportune time to highlight this important emerging issue. Workplace bullying refers to repeated harming mistreatment of persons um, by another. It may be manifested through humiliation, intimidation, defamation, isolation, sabotage that typically occurs 
at least once a week for a minimum of six months. An important feature of workplace bullying is a psychological power imbalance in that the perpetrator's behavior affects the emotional well-being of the target. For many, the mention of workplace bullying conjures up images of a belittling and a demanding supervisor. According to the Workplace Bullying Institution, approximately 7% of U.S. workers reportedly experienced bullying in 2014, and racial and ethnic minority group members reported higher rates of being bullied than their white colleagues. The Workplace Bullying Institute survey did not include information about whether or not respondents had disabilities. However, these findings suggest that Similar to other marginalized groups, workers with disabilities may be bullied more often than their colleagues without disabilities. So what is workplace bullying? Being yelled at by supervisors and coworkers, often in front of other employees. Being denied professional development and promotional opportunities. Being excluded from information sharing at work being excluded from workplace and after work socializing, being excluded from employee recognition and being forced to publicly disclose their disability. Um, currently, there is no federal law against workplace bullying in the United States. However, when the bullying target is a member of a legally protected group, bullying behaviors may, be, may meet the legal definition of harassment. Harassment is a form of discrimination which involves unwelcome conduct based on membership in a protected category, i.e. race, color, gender, age, 40 and older, national origin, genetic information, or disability, creating a hostile work environment according to the Equal, Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Thus, workplace bullying targeting individuals with disabilities may be illegal harassment. To file a disability harassment claim, the individual must meet the same standards as other protected group members. They, members. they must establish that one, they have a disability as defined by the Americans with Disability Act. Two, they have been subjected to unwelcome harassment. Three, the harassment was based on disability. Four, the harassment was severe and pervasive enough to, al to alter a term, condition, or privilege of employment. And five, the employer knew or should have known of the harassment and failed to take prompt action to address it. Despite possible legal recourse, only a small percentage of all workplace bullying instances are reported. Roughly three out of four individuals who experience harassment never talk to a supervisor, manager, or union representative about the harassing conduct. Employees who experience harassment do not report the harassing behavior or file a complaint because they fear disbelief of their claim, enact on their claim, blame, or social or professional retaliation. Combating workplace bullying, um, Failure to adequately address bullying impacts not only the target, but also other employees and results in considerable costs for organizations, including higher employee turnover, missed work time, increased health insurance costs, diminishing workplace morale, and possible legal fees. 
One of the biggest challenges to addressing bullying is the tendency to think of it as conflict between individuals rather than considering the role of workplace culture. However, workplace culture may encourage bullying and most certainly help to sustain it. When employers view bullying as a problem within the workplace community, rather than an issue between individual employees, workers may be more apt to report bullying, allowing the situation to be addressed sooner. Uh, for additional information, uh, you can send an email to http slash workplacebullying.org forward slash. Can you repeat that website again? www.workplacebullying.org. Okay, that was some real serious information. Anybody have any feedback on if they've experienced any workplace bullying? Yeah, this, is, this is Richard. Yeah, Richard. I went through, I went through that myself. Really? But I still say that's why I had my strokes because they put so much pressure on me mm. and my, my blood pressure went up sky high. But the thing is, let me say this, it was the supervisor. Really? And I heard through the grapevine, he just wanted me to get fired. Although I had nothing to do wrong, I did everything mm -hmm. right. And he wanted me to get fired. So he was trying to find ways to fire me. Plus he had me uh, keep the doors unlocked. And keep in mind, I worked uh, as the chief of payroll. If I kept those doors unlocked, then if, if I left that given day, what would happen is somebody would come in and take something, which is all the confidential social security numbers. So wow. I couldn't leave, I couldn't leave those doors unlocked. So he would kept yelling at me and harassing me, even told me some things that was very culturally negative. Really? So say it. Yeah. He, well, I'll say it then. Uh, he said he said one day he said I don't care I'm white and you're not. That's what he said. But the thing is, in the end, I had the strokes, and then. One of the people I he used to work for me came up to the second floor where the stroke survivors are are there for recovery. He he listened. I just thought I'll let you know. He said uh, he came in. He said I just thought I'll let you know he was fired because of that. So mm. anyways, he's gone. <laughs> Wait a minute. Say that last yeah. part again. Yeah. You were See, in the hospital. He came yeah, I up. The, I was already in the hospital. One of the co-workers I used to supervise. He came up to me on the second floor just to let me know he got fired. Wow. Oh, he did get fired. Yeah, okay, right. great. Good deal. So not, doesn't exist. <laughs> See there? Mm -hmm. I'd just like to mention that, you know, it's workplace um, bullying is uh, really serious. I have experienced some of that myself. But I also wanted to mention that our campaign now for mayor, there's a lot of bullying going on with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and I think that when you have young people who are looking at and and maybe voting for the first time, and they see how a candidate is treating another candidate, True it enough. sends such a bad message. Yes, it's, it does. Yeah, and it is very hurtful because if I can look at and see these commercials and be upset about a commercial that I'm seeing, right. Uh, you know, I can't imagine how kids feel when they when they know look at what grownups are doing. And right. Is, is this how you get into political office by being a bully? Mm -hmm. That's, that's well, so hard. Yeah. 
it's it, you know it, it's unfortunate but uh like you say pol politics it's there uh, you know right before your eyes you know and, yeah uh, you, you see things today that you wouldn't have never thought you would see you know i mean you know, i'm talking all the way up to you know you know we uh, know eyes office mm -hmm. <laughs> right. you know, and then you know and it's like okay you know nothing gets done and so no. the, the younger people are, are like you say the younger ones are like you know wow this is happening and you know we don't need to mention any names because it's not just one person I'm talking about lots of them you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's unbelievable yeah but and they you know, just get away really, with it like it's no big deal you know yeah I mean it's you know it's uh you know at, at every level you know the somebody had i mean that goes to the same for military you know it used to be you know th that happens there too a lot of it right um, you know so i mean just to include that i mean it was there's a there was a point in uh in years back in basic training when the 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 drill sergeant all they were able to punch you and do all of this kind yeah. of stuff right so, you know all that stuff is illegal now but you know, it's still you know, it's the bullying is still there. It just uh, you know they um, they they uh, they dress it up as something else. You know? mm -hmm. But you wow, know, that's that's very true, and I can piggyback. Can you turn your speaker up a little more? I'm saying, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's very true. What Charles is like saying, well, all of what we're saying is very true. I've seen it on the job, well, in the military quite naturally it just came that way and you know if you hadn't been disciplined by your parents before it was difficult to deal with you know somebody you don't know yelling and screaming at you you know and telling you you have nobody to depend on but them at this particular moment right do everything that they said i've seen guys break down because they had never experienced that type of what they call discipline but after a while, you know, after you get through it and you learn, you realize it's not only discipline, but there's some bullying in there. Right. Certain people they would purposely pick out. Uh -huh. And in the corporate world, on the job I worked, I, that's what I viewed. I saw many times and I even experienced it. And really? We, they used to call it skating on thin ice. You know, guys mm -hmm. come to you and say, man, you're skating on thin ice. They're after you. Uh -huh. And they would be doing stuff to, you know, just try to catch you doing something where they can charge you and fire you, yeah, ever. And 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 at those particular times, we would counsel each other and said, "Hey, look, just follow the rules. Fifteen minute breaks, thirty minute lunches. Even though you see everybody else taking longer and sleeping and everything, uh -huh. you just follow the rules." So right. we had to do that, and that's essentially how I got through that bullying thing. But then, you know, sometimes we get part of a peer group and even though we may not realize it and we're laughing about it, we end up bullying somebody. Mm -hmm. and, you know, we may not look at, at it like that. We call it, well, we're just trying to give them tough skin. You know, right. we were bullying them, but yet it's very common. And now that we see it so visible in politics, it's like, Man, but you gotta, you know, you gotta talk back. You gotta get to the point to where you talk back to bullies. <laughs> what they're doing, you know, and they slow down, you know, and that's what's happening now. People are realizing, talk back to them. You right. Know, kids, you know, and 
there would be, you know, two or three guys in school or in the neighborhood <laughs> that would always be bullying you when you go to the store. Right, you know, exactly. And say, well, next time they bully you, you take on the biggest guy. You take on, you know, throw your stuff down and say, come on. You're right. And, you That's know, so funny. You and you have something to say. Well, I'm, I'm absolutely in agreement with Josh. And I want to say that something that bothers me a great deal is why do people follow the ringleader? Why do they follow somebody who's aggressive? In a work situation, when I was a young woman putting my ex-husband through to PhD, um, there was a bully and I worked for AT&T and she was merciless with a couple of people, just merciless. And I finally took up for the person who was being bullied and it was put on my record and it was on my record and I was there eight years and extremely diligent employee. So the See? big question to me is, is you know, and it's, it's a question for the world really, why do people follow somebody who's aggressive? Are they just afraid to speak up? Probably. Yeah, and I guess one of the questions is if you speak up by yourself like I did, then you get in trouble mm -hmm. and the, the bully is on you as well as management. Right, that's so horrible. This needs to be a rethinking of all of this so that people are just um, required to learn how to be dignified and um, I, I would say cooperative. And right. Not, we don't have that sense of cooperation. It's getting worse and worse in America politically and socially. Yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> Part, yeah. part, part of that and uh you know and, and you know because we could talk about this all day uh, <laughs> you know part of that reason that people follow the the ring leader is because there's a lot of times there's something in it for them yeah or you know or they have a, a deeper mo you know something in it that's you know it's not even that uh, it may be personally that they gain some but something that they're representing you know and so you know that's you know mm -hmm. And even in school, you know, the you know you have groups of uh, girls that uh, are bullying, you know, somebody, you know, they come in groups of guys or whatever. I mean, we growing up as a military kid, when we finally came to California, settled in, there was a, a bully on my street. There was a couple of guys who were like friends, and they always bullied me because I had that country sound, that's uh, you know that uh, country yeah. accent. And then uh, so some new guy moved in on the street, and he was you know, Mr. Karate this, and he was just messing with people. And one day I just, you know, I, I had enough and he tried to put <laughs> karate on me and I actually grabbed his leg and started punching him and dragging him down the street. And that was the last time he ever bullied me. You know, that was it. I was, you know, but you know, you have to push back, but sometimes yeah. it's hard. Sometimes it's hard. My son told me a story and, and I was a, a part of it in a way when he was in junior high school. Um, there were some kids that were bullying him and he, I said to him, well, just, you know, tell the teacher. He told the teacher, nothing happened. Talk to the principal, nothing happened. And one day this kid came up to him again and he said, he, he didn't even wait for the kid to say anything. He just cold cocked him hard and knocked him down. Kid was stunned. They call me up. I've got to go up to the school <laughs> and, and, and say, well, he came and told you what was going on. Right. Nothing about it. Mm -hmm. What did you expect him to do? Right. 
so they said, well, he's going to have to um, be out of school for so many days. Oh, I just happened to be taking a trip. And I said, okay, <laughs> pack a bag, let's go. And he was thrilled. He said, well, that was great. I got suspended and went on a trip. <laughs> but no one ever bothered him again. Right. Go. And, and so anytime anybody would do that, and they do that to people who they feel are gentle and kind yeah, and exactly. nice, right. they feel that they're not going to push back. I had an episode in, in grammar school. I still remember that today. My first and only fight. Why did girl keep bothering me? <laughs> she was horrible. She did all kinds of things to hurt me and push me. And then one day I just lost my mind. <laughs> <laughs> and after that, we, we were the best of friends. That's what's so <laughs> weird about their bullies. You know, and and they want to get over on you, and then when you when you defend yourself, then you know you just mm -hmm. got rid of that bully. You know, <laughs> but listen, Darcy, you're supposed to come on next, but can we let uh, Richard and his wife come on first, please? Because sure. those sure. those they're taking up their time. Charles, can you uh, please read that for me, introducing Richard and his precious wife? Sure. There's a story <laughs> of a military wife. Richard met his wife for the first time when they both when they both were young and single. He had just returned from South Korea that day. A few days later, he asked her out on a date. Six months later, they got engaged, and six months after that, they got married. <clears throat> They've been married since 1994 when Richard was relocated to Schofield Barracks in Hawaii as a new duty station and lived in Hawaii for 16 years. Richard retired from the Army in 2008 and returned to L.A. He later had to enter L.A. VA hospital for medical reasons. In 2016, his first indication that was something was very wrong happened in June uh, of that year when he went to pay a cell phone bill. He was unable to open the door, although it opened up by pushing the door both ways, in or pull out. People who walked by thought he was drunk. He told them he didn't drink. Someone called 911. Doctor said he was having a stroke and a nurse called his wife. Go ahead, Rich, tell us about it. Okay. Anyways, uh, we got married actually in 1984. 85. Oh, you five? Sorry, we've been married since 1985. October. And then we spent Many years still before I got re-accepted to the army back in, and then that's when we went off. I went off to uh, Schofield Barracks in 1984. No, 1993. 99. Okay, 1993. <laughs> good thing I, you I got spent, her, man. <laughs> I spent so many years in. I don't remember now. Anyways, but we did that. So the thing is, we've been part of many areas, even at that time in Hawaii. So we spent well, how much? 16 years. 16 years. So we spent 16 years in Hawaii, but I've been married to her since uh, that time we got engaged and married. And then I've been married to her since that time. Okay. That's so so we, we spent a long time. <laughs> and then you said you had had a couple of strokes. Yeah. And I that was in 2016. Look how fabulous you are today. Yeah. And then you um, said, ironically, about a couple of years ago, uh, so did your wife. Yeah. She had a stroke. 
a major stroke. More about it. And she had a major stroke. Wow. And that was actually while she was in the hospital uh, at that time. It was because she had a bleeding ulcer. So she was losing blood. So she wasn't getting enough of the blood flow to her brain. So she had her stroke as a major stroke. But that's also because also she had other areas going on. And like worrying about you. Well, possibly. Because the thing is, I, I would say possibly because she, one evening, she woke up and said, I got to take my pills. But she didn't say it that way. I'm just going to demonstrate. I got to take my pills. So she had the indication of a stroke happening. So I called 911 right away. Let me let her talk now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> <Talks a> lot. <laughs> yeah, sweetheart. Tell us about how it was when you had to deal with well, taking. Well, it, like within between April and June, when I had my stroke, um, I had a back back pain. You know, now I didn't know what it was. I thought it was just um, just the back pain. But then all of a sudden, the pain came to my stomach. But then at the time I wasn't aware of any ulcer or nothing. So we wind up going to the ER from April to June, four times to the ER emergency. And um, they did all kinds of tests and everything. And, you know, they, they thought it was this and that and this and that. Finally, the fourth time we went, um, they finally put this, what do you call it? Um, camera in me, whatever. Yeah, they, it's it. a tube that goes down the throat. Yeah, and then um, they know they noticed that I had a bleeding ulcer. Wow. Yeah. So um, and then, but I had so many blood transfusions in between all that time because I was losing blood in between, you know, between April and June. Mm. And um, so finally, you know, they did that surgery because my bleeding ulcer and everything, and I felt so much better and everything. But then they told me that um, that I did have a stroke when I was in there. Mm. And I, but I, you know, of course, I don't. I didn't know, you know. Right. right. Yeah. But, um. So I think I was in there for about a week, mm -hmm. not more than two weeks, you know, like that. But it just one don't think it affected was my 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 balance when I walk, you know, mm -hmm. when I came out. But I was able to drive, and you know, because before I couldn't, I couldn't even ride. I couldn't even walk. They had to help me to the bathroom. Richard and my son had to help me, you know, with a lot of stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. um, look how cute you guys look. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually the one right there on the very top. We were actually at the Culver City uh, Art Walk. Oh, okay. just yesterday. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Look how and cute you look. Those are our nights out before we go. Yeah. And then right there, the Colonel is giving her an award for what she's doing as a spouse. Okay. Yeah. We want to hear about. It. Look how. Ooh, look. Wait a minute. Y'all go down a little bit. Go up right there. Duh. <laughs> Let's get back up there where it was a little bit. Right there when you guys first met. Look how cute. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 No, if we were if we were married eight years, you're not twenty eight years old. Oh, okay. <laughs> just, just he's probably like thirty something, thirty six. Right. I mean, she she's keeping all the stats. You just don't yeah. even. Don't <laughs> even well, I, I have brain damage. Off. I don't have memory loss. <laughs> right, right. Well, that mm -hmm. is so cute. He has such such great pictures. Look how cute couple. Still cute today. 
Well, how We're was it married to uh, Richard got sick and you having to go into the stress of taking care of him? Oh, yeah, he was terrible. No, <laughs> no he, was, he was he was a handful. He didn't he just didn't know that. But, you know, there was a lot beginning that, you know, I had to deal with, you know, because I didn't know, you know, what the effects were gonna, that happened when he had his stroke, you know. Mm-hmm. Like that, and so, but you know, but him going to therapy and everything, you know, really helped him. And then I started going to speech therapy with him because he would say, "Well, you should come and see, you know, what they talk about, and you could learn more." You know, excuse so me, Charles, going. can you go back to the full screen? Yeah, thank you. He's oh. hovering around the food, getting us all. Oh, that's, <laughs> hey, that's the food that he sent me. They had an anniversary <laughs> dinner. I'll tell you about that after. Yeah. <laughs> tell you about that after okay but that, yeah. that that food that you had seen that was our anniversary dinner that night so, right. Wednesday. so i took her out for an anniversary dinner oh you said last night no, no wednesday wednesday october oh, wednesday. 5th okay. Oh, okay wow well so I'm anyway sorry. mary you were saying that it was difficult though having first because it is about you today dealing with them uh military wife having to deal with her with her military husband so tell us a little bit more about that experience um well he would get mad when i try to correct him you know uh, as far as trying to you know say things and everything too but you know sometimes somebody because something he still don't want to <laughs> i still tell him anyway well I had brain damage, so I don't remember well, things. But I try to correct him that way. He will, if he remember the correction, yeah. correction, then you know, like that, so he shouldn't even get mad, you know. <laughs> but well, I, but, I, but I, it's coming a lot better. It's well, way away. Oh yeah, because it's been a lot better now, you know. He's such yeah. a role model, and so are you. But he's <laughs> he's shared pictures of his his uh, training and exercising and. He's outside force yeah. activity. He walks how many miles now, Richard? I just did uh, about a week ago. I did 15 miles. See there? Wow. And mm-hmm. he does, uh, what is that? Uh, what else do you do, Richard? And I well, mean, it's beautiful. You I, see that background? I have, done, I have done surfing. I have done archery. Right. I have done many things. Now, bringing that up, this November, I'll be at a program that's going to be in Cerritos, which I talked with Charles about, but he's not going to be able to go. But the thing is, I want to be at Cerritos. It's for veterans and first responders who have various areas of physical or mental brain damage. So it's going to be a series. PBA is a part of that. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing is, it's going to be a series of things that we're going to do out there. Uh, I'm going to be doing archery. And I'm going to be doing some other events out there. Where is it going to be? Uh, it's going to be at Cerritos. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's on Saturday. And on Sunday, it's going to be in, in uh, Compton. Okay. And, well, Charles, you'll share a flyer with that or Martha when yeah. she comes back yeah. on. Mar- Martha's, going, Martha's going to be there as well, too. Yeah, I know. We've seen that. But that's great. All right. Also, I'm going to split. She's going to split to the, to the left. If you see that flower right there, mm-hmm. oh yeah, right. That's that's my, his artwork. That's my that's my latest flower. Oh, it's gorgeous! It's gorgeous. All right. That's, 
amazing with how you do it too and you say you're visually impaired but yeah i'm quite sure that's therapy too right oh yeah i, I when i take pictures i'm taking pictures because it turns my mind into a different aspect to mm -hmm. calmly take the picture and then i start to work in the progress of how to develop it the way it would look good right that's beautiful i think you're doing great but we always consider you as one of the role models so keep up the good work and mary you know girlfriend you always welcome to come on the show don't make this your last time now okay, you're, you. on, you're, on, you're on the team now so you got to come back Okay. You gotta, you gotta come with the correct stats with Richard. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you're his statistician. Yeah, wrong, wrong. <laughs> which, which, how do you call it, Charles? Statistician. You're the statistician for him. Statistician. Okay. So. Well, when we met, I thought she was the same age as myself, and then a little bit as we got engaged, and she says, "Oh, I, I'm this age." So, so I end up marrying an older woman. <laughs> oh, wow. I'll be 72 next month. Wow. Really? Yeah, I'll be 72. Girl, you gorgeous. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, girl. Yeah. All right. I don't, I, well, I kind of feel it because, you know, my body's all uh, whatever, you know, because I also had a knee replacement done in April. Oh, you know? oh yeah. So it's been about six months. So that didn't help me trying to get to get, you know, by balance and everything. Mm -hmm. So right now, I'll use a cane, you know, because it's really healing really good, you know, but I'll use a cane if I don't have to walk too much. But like when I go to the VA, I would right. have to take a walker, you know, yeah, a lot of walking. Yeah, a lot of walking, you know, because I can I still can't keep my balance. It's still, you know, yeah, still hard for it's hard for me to walk, you know, long distance and stand right. and you right. know, like that. So but other than that, you know. Doing well, okay. well, Richard yeah. should take you through with all the exercise and he does. So you still do right. oh. exercise. And when we have time at the VA, especially after speech therapy, we go play bingo. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, you got to do some physical exercise. Exercise. Well, you know, well, I used to, and I was able to. Um, when we used to go to Panda Fitness, you know, because you know, because of our insurance, you know, I get to go free. Right. Know, but um, I'm, I'm thinking of doing that again, but I have to go to therapy because I've been having problems with my shoulders now. Oh, okay. You know? Yeah, so I have to go tomorrow to um, start therapy on that because I was going therapy for my knee, for my mm -hmm. knee replacement, you know, before that too. But, right. but you know, but we, but we try to be active. We try to do a lot of things, you know, like that too, mm -hmm. together like that and everything. Like we go to evenings out on certain type of, Occasion, so we go okay. in those areas and do that. Just as sweet as you can be. And we want you, Rich is he's one of our regulars. You see him on our promo. Yeah. We want to welcome you back anytime you want, Mary. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. My pleasure. <laughs> okay, we're moving on along here. Tell you want to tell us a little bit about Dorsey? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Miss um, Dorsey, John, uh, making it well. He is one of our um, segment hosts um, for Make Music LA. Today, she's going to talk to us about Make Music LA Winter Event on December 21st. Uh, what's good about this? And whenever listeners, wherever listeners are, they can have a Make Music Event. She will direct them to the Make Music Day website for additional information. The winter counterpart to Make Music Day returns Wednesday December the 21st. 
So Make Music Winter is a series of free outdoor musical parades taking place uh, last year in, in 30-plus U.S. cities. People of all ages, musical abilities, and backgrounds meet up to promenade and party or and play participatory music for bells, electric guitars, voices, rewired children's toys, and more. It's a joyful way to ring in the longest night of the year and celebrate the end of 2022. Take it away, Ms. Dorsey. Hi, everybody. It's really good to be here and to see everyone and to talk about Make Music Winter. You know, it's, it's great to be outdoors in the summertime where we have, you know, wonderful weather and things are just mm. gorgeous, and sunshine. We have music outside. That's fantastic. But having music outdoors in the wintertime, people kind of go, oh, I don't know. But it's really so much fun because I think that that's one of the um, wonderful spirited things about um, the winter is huddling together, being all warm. And of course, because of COVID, we haven't really done a lot of huddling together. Um, <laughs> and But coming out for the winter solstice, which is really what uh, December 21st is, gives uh, families and children and people who don't have families an opportunity to come together and, and celebrate in such a lovely way. Because as you know, for summertime, we have all the instruments and there are, you know, we have these mass appeal events where we've got, you know, thousands of harmonicas and there may be hundreds of guitars and we'll have, you know, a, maybe a group of violins. There are all these different instruments that are outside. In the wintertime, we do it the same way, except it, it's scaled back and it, and it is slightly different. Um, there are various projects that takes place. And let me just read you a little bit about it. Well, first of all, I would mention again that Make Music Winter is a series of free outdoor musical events and parades that uh, people of all ages and musical abilities come together. And this year is the fifth nationwide Make Music Winter celebration. And that again takes place on December 21st. And it's all free, outdoors, participatory. And um, the, the audience are actually all the music makers. So usually, you know, we've got all the musicians that are playing and the audience sits and listens. But with this event, we like to get audiences involved. So there are, you know, maybe lots of choirs or maybe just random folks gathering together for a particular event. And one of them is like, there's some bells that um, we actually furnish all the bells for various groups around the country. And it comes from the com companies that are participating with us. Um, we are actually sponsored by um, the National, what is it, the National Association of Music Merchants, which is now. And a lot of their members provide um, sheet music for us and, and actual instruments. 
And so um, the bells are something that, that they will provide. And they send you a kit, you get all these bells and you've got folks that are ringing them. And you have, of course, a musical director that's helping to make that happen. But then, as I said, there are other um, instruments that are small, like harmonicas. We'll give away harmonicas to the audience. We also do that in the summertime. And this is something, of course, that they take with them. The, the harmonica is a gift. Right. So it's a, it's just a really joyful time. And of the shortest day of the year, I see, is December 21st. So everything is, is kind of turning around. Um, I did want to show you some, um, some photographs of what Make Music Winter might look like. Let's see. Share screen. Okay. Um, Oh, you gotta you have to give me it's disabled, it's telling me. Okay, sorry, you had left off and came back. So. Yes, yes. Okay, make you a co-host. I gotta imagine Dorsey that make music winner in LA is different than make music winner in New York. Oh yes, uh, quite know, a bit different. Yeah, our night might be might be 65 or so and and they're looking at uh, below zero in some cases yeah, uh -huh. so yeah, yeah it, it's definitely different you never know especially out here it might be 80 degrees one day in, you know, right, in december <laughs> tell me something darcy does uh yeah. the uh ringing of the bells uh, is that for just just people coming together to ring or can you ring them for an organization like you know uh and with with uh, the Rosies, remember we run well, the bells for her. Can that take place then too, just one segment? Well, sure it could, absolutely. Um, but the bells that they get, they're color coordinated and mm -hmm. then they're, they're actually playing a tune. Yeah, exactly. So they're directed which bell to ring at what time and, and for how long. So it, it makes it easy for anyone to be able to pick up a bell and play. So mm -hmm. you don't you don't have to know how to do anything in order to do that. But right. of course we could ring a bell for Rosie. Well, no, or else dedicate a song to the Rosie with the bell, since that's their traditional yeah. one of their ways of celebrating. Hi, yeah. Anne. That's certainly yeah, good absolutely. Um, then can you all hear me? Yeah, yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, we have um, um, a copyrighted song that uh, is very adaptable to bells. And um, we also are asking, as of January, we will be asking people around the country uh, to be in a contest to write the, the best Rosie the Riveter song. So uh, of course your event is um, on the shortest day of the year, right before Christmas. Yeah. So the writing of a song is probably not appropriate, but we do have a theme song. If you want me to, Darcy, I can uh, send you over the music to it. Would you like me to do oh, that? Oh, sure. Please. Yes. That would be so cool. Yeah, please do that. Your uh, email address. It, it's not letting me share, everybody. You're so not sharing now? It, I'm trying to. You, you're a co-host. I know, but I, I, it's my computer. It's not. Oh. It's not you. It's my right. computer, Charles. If you go to makemusicday.org, mm -hmm. makemusicday.org, 
Alright, let's see here. Sorry about that, folks. No, it's okay. If, if, I also wanted to say that if you're interested in leading an event for Make Music Winter on December 21st, please go to makemusicday.org and you'll we'll be able to see more pictures and videos. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping we could get something up. I have, what, what do you want me to pull up? Okay, there's um, Make Music. Um, go to new, I think it's new, some, what's new. Uh, and then click on that and that'll take you to the announcing make music winter what's new there's yeah a, I see a, there's a video or like a youtube video on you yeah if if it's oh, for okay. make music winter uh yes it says, Look, uh, wait, well, it says are you able to share i'm not able to share okay um, well, this is about make music. You say go to new. Well, if if you have a video for make music winter, uh, it's got a bunch of people with uh, drums and uh, uh, things like that. Is it? Uh, okay, then let's see. If you scroll down further, there's a uh, I see um, network champions ambassadors make music winter. Okay, you want me to click on that? Yeah, let's when see. Let's see what happens. Yeah, Sorry. That about one has a not so silent night. Yes. Um, so is this a picture? It's a picture. So I'll share this and then uh, let me get uh, back here. Share it. Boom. Well, the thing about this is that it really is so wonderful in, in any size community and any number of people. You can have, you know, school kids involved. This is Make Music Winter New York. And if if you can, um, yeah, scroll. So this is a parade and that's a parade right on the sidewalk. So we're, you don't have to worry about permits uh -oh. or anything like that. And okay, down here, there'll be um, videos that you can show. I think there's a video here of the bells. There it bell is. By, bell by bell. See, try mm -hmm. that. Let's see what that looks like. Take a look at this, Anne. Yeah, let's see. That's the bell. Bell. Yeah, and so you see people have just gathered. They're out in the cold. Oh, here we go. Those are the same bells that, that Ann stemmed up. Same color coordinated. So this is, I mean, this is so nice because children and their parents can do this together. 
I want to take us to another another field that might have some horns. I'm going to stop this one. Yeah. So, this, 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 is, this is going to be like this the whole way. Oh, okay. So if we just quick, uh, quickly put on another one where we have some other instruments, that'd be great. Okay, let's see. Uh, let me see. Let me see any horns? Let me go back. Let's see. How can I go back on this? Oh, uh, let's do this. Any horns? Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're like here. Let's we can't see the horn. I've been working for Make Music New York for about five years. I am originally from Argentina, and when I moved to I volunteered to organize Bushwick, which was the neighborhood where I was living at the time. And from there, it's just always been a part of my life. I'm very interested in community work like this. So it's a. Can you see it now? Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Beautiful combination of what makes New York really interesting and unique and, and bringing people together around music. <laughs> staples for playing in the streets in the subways and these things we call love riot so they called us last year to do a love riot in harlem and this i was like let's do it in times square times square because it's well that, wow. you, can, you can make it if you've got a, a fabulous star like him to come out great <laughs> yeah, that is so cool i think that's a lot of fun oh god yeah. Yeah. So, so where is it going to be? Do you have a, a flyer to put up? Um, not yet. Not yet. We're still we're that that's what we're really doing now is we're asking folks if they'd like to participate so mm -hmm. that we can can gather that and I'll have that in a in a few weeks. Okay. But this this is all over the country now. So it's not just in LA. And it's um it's a little smaller than what we normally do in June. So mm -hmm. uh, right now, Silver Lake is working on what they're going to do. I know they want to have a, a children's talent show as part of theirs. So I don't know if they're going to do a parade. And so maybe and when you come back, come when you come back on, you have the dates and the location. So we yeah, can put the, the date is December 21st. So that I mean, that's, the, that's the, not going to change. Yeah. OK. Different locations. So. Yeah. Different locations. OK, great. Well, so, thank you. That, ooh, that was hopefully fun. we'll have a few in L.A. Right. Okay. Thank you so much, Charles, for saving no, the sure. day. Sure, That's sure. Right. You know, and I, you know, I play with uh, Make Music LA. You know, our band has done stuff, and a lot of times you don't know 
where you're going to be playing at until the day. <laughs> you know, right, right. Sounds like fun, though. You know, sometimes. Okay, Josh, it's on you. Mm -hmm. Joshua, you, you're muted. Okay, so um, what I'm here to discuss today is. Uh, Can you turn up your speaker? Now Josh is the DJ. I told you. I was like, <laughs> hey, yeah, you know, Mr. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> yeah, and and I'm paying a little tribute today to a close friend of mine. Yeah, tell us about that first. Who's also a veteran, and uh, 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 he's from originally from Jamaica and England, and he joined the military in England. And uh, eventually, you know, came over here to America where, you know, they converted his benefits to the same benefits that we get here in the States. But he's a close friend of mine, but he announced to me yesterday because most of his family's in New York and, and Florida, the ones that are here in the States. But he announced to me yesterday that he lost a couple of his grandsons uh, to the hurricane. Oh, wow. So I'm just How old were they? Uh, the youngest one was nine. The oldest one was 17. Oh, 17-year-old was a twin. So, you know, it hit pretty close to him and stuff, but his family, so. That's so sad. God bless him. But close friend of mine. But, you know, I'm really talking today about uh, veterans who get out and adjust to civilian life after military. You know, it's like if you or someone you care about has experienced a difficult transition from military to civilian life, you're not alone. According to the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs, approximately 200,000 service members transition out of the military every year. A research study found that 27% report a difficult reentry. Influenced by many factors, successful transition varies by individuals. This article explores some of the hurdles that veterans face as their lives shift into the civilian world and offers some resources to help make the right start when they're transitioning. The difficulty transitioning from military to civilian life why do some veterans have a hard time readjusting to civilian life while others make the transition with little or no difficulty? Well, the answer to that question, researchers have analyzed the attitudes, experiences, and demographic characteristic of veterans to identify the factors that independently predict whether a service member will have an easy or difficult week re-entry experience. Who can predict that? Military service is difficult, demanding, and a lot of times dangerous. But returning to civilian life also poses challenges for the men and women who have served in the armed forces. The U.S. military instills its recruits with values unique to each branch. For example, the Navy and Marines value honor, courage, and commitment. The Army and Air Force share values of integrity, selflessness, service. Rather than mere platitudes learned in boot camp, such values define how service members live their life. 
Military service members commit to anywhere from two to 30 years, some even longer, living these values daily. This value system sets the U.S. military apart from its counterparts in the civilian sector. Unique experiences, training, and accomplishments merge with these values to make the military experience difficult to replicate in civilian world. It may not be PTSD, but it may be transition stress. Researchers have recently focused on an often overlooked problem called transition stress. Some of the effects of transition stress include loss of purpose, loss of identity, increased conflict with family and friends, employment troubles, everyday challenges, making changes. Loss of identity may be a root cause of transition stress, regardless of where they served or what they did. Veterans experiencing transition stress endure nostalgic longing for the unique military experience that they lived. Left unchecked, it can aid to behavior problems as well as anxiety and depression. Over 10% of military service members who served in either Iraq or the Afghanistan wars have had an alcohol or drug problem. Many jobs require drug testing and expect sobriety at the workplace. Attendance issues associated with heavy drug use can result in job loss. In contrast, veterans who say they had an emotionally traumatic experience while serving have had suffered, you know, serious service-related injuries or significantly more likely to report problems with re-entry when other factors are held constant. So this is a common problem among many veterans. Many veterans adjust and adapt, and many are still going through the recovery process. Mm -hmm. Richard, did you have any uh, re-entry problems? Can you hear us? You're still on mute. I actually had to find my way once they gave us the way to go through reentry like a class. But what I did is I said, okay, I got that information. But what I did is went up and looked for a job right away. Because the point is, I ended up working for what is a company known as VoiceStream team or VoiceStream, which is like cell phones. But then they got bought out and they turned their name into T-Mobile. So I worked worked in Hawaii for a company called VoiceStream and I ended up getting promoted to a uh, manager's position for for VoiceStream. What is it called, Voice what? VoiceStream. Okay, wow. So they they were very big, very popular. And of course I ended up having to sell the cell phones and which I did. Now I sell things a little bit differently. I sold the phones, but I also let it be up to the customer's decision. I didn't coax, coax them into anything. I said, it's up to you what you'd like to do. Okay. And most times I said, okay, we'll buy. <laughs> so that's what it is. You have a problem going through uh, transition, but a lot of yeah. our yeah. 
Right. Now, I, I live in a building that's uh, one side is military and one side are just civilians. Mm -hmm. And it is really difficult because a lot of these folks have such serious problems. And the major one is, is drugs. Right. Outside every day, every single day, you, you, can, you can tell time by when the dealers are coming to drop off. When the who? The drug dealers? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's so bad. Couple of the tenants, they want to move to another building. But I say, if you're moving into another building, that's the same thing. What? What, yeah. what are you? What, you're not leaving it. You may be going to a worse problem. So yeah. it, it's difficult because you don't know how to have a conversation because they're not interested in in a conversation. You yeah. can you can't even engage. So that's one of the difficult things for people who are not doing drugs, living with people who are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and 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 I, you know, and that the whole thing is. Uh, it seemed like I was just talking about this last week or something. You know, uh, coming out of the military, where you, you know, you go into it as uh, you know, and I'll make up some crazy job. You know, you're the the uh, tree watcher, you know, you know, you're in the military, you're the tree growing, watch, watch a tree grow. And, and then when you get out of the service, you know, there are, there are no jobs for people to watch tree grow, trees grow. And so, so these guys and gals, they go into the service with this, you know, oh, you know, they don't realize, you know, what you choose to do in the military can carry you through your civilian life if you get out. And so when they get out, they go back to the same place that they started off and it's like you know they're they're unhirable you know because they nobody's hiring tree watchers you know right. you know the yeah. other side of that is is that they go in young men uh -huh. with um, a different mindset that's true uh, actually an innocence right they come out there are totally different people traumatized I mean, i've heard those stories so many traumatized yes uh -huh. So the person that my, my brother was in the military and he came back from World War II and my, my family members were saying that wasn't the Robert that went in the service. This right. was someone else. And of course, there's no way that we can understand what they went through because there's nothing in my life that can, could even come close to that. Right, exactly. And there are veterans too, well, military people, and in the military, when it does get about that time when, you know, they're getting short, as we should call it, to get out, if they're not really focused or sure what they want to do, I've seen many of them say, man, I'm staying in because I don't know what to do if I get out. So That's they ended up staying and reenlisting. And a lot of them ended up, you know, 20 years later, you know, mm -hmm. like I'm in the middle of my job. They didn't retire from the military after 20 years experience, but in the process, they end up learning something. They got them a job on the outside. So now they have a retirement check coming mm -hmm. in from the military and getting set up for a pension from the company they're working for, as well as social security. So these guys, it's like, you know, the OGs, you know, they talked a lot, but you know, my grandfather wanted me to spend my career in the military, but you know, I can only hang four years was enough. 
But you know, there are there's so many different circumstances, you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that myself because I ended up staying in the army and spent thirty three years in. Yes, so I had to work on doing different things to build up the professions that I had some expectations for. So I did that and that's why I was worked at the VA. I was in personnel for at first and then I got promoted to a payroll operations yeah. for a payroll. Yeah. So you 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 guys are the successful veteran. We see a lot of the ones that's out there homeless don't know which way to go, you know. And you got your hand up? Well I just want to say a couple of things. One is um that when I first started this organization, thanks plain and simple, it was 2006. And I trained veterans to do projects across America. And my biggest problem was that um, they basically were lost and I had not had the military experience. So in other words, I'm very focused myself on this problem of transition. And I keep saying that to the group here, but I think that one of the reasons that we are gonna succeed you all and us all, meaning my organization, is that we are really seriously concerned about transition. Right. Another thing I wanna say is at the fall of communism, I believe it was 1988, but it could have been 89. I was very worried about that. And this is long before I started this project and I was in Boston. So I talked my business partner into doing a project that would help veterans transition to civilian life. I had a brilliant friend at the time who was professor at University of Colorado, Peter Osorio, and he and I presented to the Department of Defense on how to uh, evaluate each person and see what their real key basic uh, skills and interests are, not just what they did in the military. So for example, we had a woman who was a torpedoman's mate in the military. Now, what are you going to do in civilian life? Yeah, that's what Charles was talking about. Right? So that's like uh, uh, Charles talking about tree watcher. So the, right. thing, the thing is, that I, I want to just keep reiterating that I have some experience and long, long-term interest in transition of veterans. Uh, for one thing, I think it's a moral obligation of the government. If you recruit people and are not um, totally honest with them, that they may not, um, you know, uh, get the kind of training they wanted or whatever, um, and you don't help them transition back to civilian life, then to me, that's a moral issue. So yes. I think we, we've, got to, we've got to work not only on the US government, but on corporations and even um, um, people who do testing to figure out, you know, how are we going to best transition people? Charles was yeah. saying when when they recruit, they'll sell yeah, you they, on this. They do. They don't. They don't teach you. They yeah, are right. all, it's all about getting you in. They don't tell yeah. you, you know, and, and you know, and that's the focus. Like you say, that would be they, the government needs tomorrow. to be responsible. They need the government needs to focus on that when you get out, part two. Right. Like, you know, so. Remember yeah. Kevin when he got out, he was he had became what is a drug addict in mm -hmm. the military, and when he got out, he didn't have couldn't transition at all. He stayed homeless for what 20, 30 years, something like and that. And one of the problems that I've noticed too is that you you hear the stories about 
on the servicemen who can't get the services and can't get the help they need. Mm -hmm. And they have disabilities that they got in the military. They went in whole, healthy, and yeah. then out totally different people with right. all sorts of horrible things that have happened to them. Exactly. And, and they have to prove yeah. that, that, they, that this happened in the military and it takes months and sometimes years, years. to get years. the help they need. Right. How we, is this possible? We hear those stories all the time. And the way that Operation Confidence Veterans Program got started is I was, the garment district is not that far from Skid Row. Some kind of way I was in that area and uh, seen this encampment. We had did a presentation at the Union Rescue Mission. And then from there, I wanted to go down to the garment district. Some kind of way I bumped into this encampment of veterans who were all living out of their wheelchairs. And that was the most saddest thing ever. They went into the military as an able-bodied young kid. You know, I think what, six, 17, 18? How, how old did they have you come around, 18? 17, 18. 17, yeah. And they lost because they had left family members and and their school colleagues and went in there and was put all what they said the only thing they did was put a gun in their hand and told them to go and shoot and they didn't know what the hell happened you know and it's so sad what you hear they had to yeah. see their, their uh friends get killed or wounded and them and you know we had um it wasn't Anthony on the show. What was that last week, a week before yeah, last? Yeah, it was yeah. horrible what happened to him. An arm blew off. His, and he got denied, and they all get denied on the first. It's his first, 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 first two No years, matter what. Man. No yeah, matter also, what. They still tell you to prove it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you have, you hear you have a whole leg missing, you know, and an arm, and you have to prove, prove it over and over. Yeah, so that's how these guys say they wound up on the street because they couldn't deal with the red tape, right? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what they do. Some of might not have a permanent is. address to mail the stuff exactly. to. What they say? They what they say? Denied till they die or something like that. Right. right. You know, so that is so horrible. Just horrible. It, 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 it breaks my heart that you we have these young men and women who go in who are so vibrant. And they right. come out broken people, exactly. and there is mm -hmm. there is no safety net for no them. Yeah, very little resources, and, if any. And if you're emotionally distraught and having difficulty, how are you going to concentrate on navigating through systems that that don't want you to navigate through them and are, right. are putting up roadblocks at every opportunity? Exactly. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's, and then too, you know, another thing that I found out is not only is the system but they went in as young, able-bodied men and women, came back with a disability and was turned away by family members because they didn't know how to deal with you. You know, you mm -hmm. were able-bodied, now you have this disability and they're your, what, your fiance or girlfriend, nobody wants to deal with them with when they're in a wheelchair or when they've been hurt. So it's just horrible with some of the stories I've heard. You, yeah. Joe? Yeah, like myself, this is Richard, Mike, myself. That's why I love my wife, because she's still stuck with me, even right. though I'm That's not perfect. The stroke's causing me a lot of brain damage, but I'm not perfect, but I'm trying to get better. Exactly. That's, yeah. what That's love, good. Richard. That's love. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. what love looks like. Exactly. And, and that's what made, kept you whole. Is the mm -hmm. And you she know? keeps better records. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I do. Uh, I want to say one more time that I'm used to writing grants. I'm definitely a um, person who's been around a little bit. I've been in the Pentagon. I've presented to people in the Pentagon. I'm telling you that this country now is facing the problem that people do not want to go into the military. They're desperate for people to go into the military. Well, first of all, you got to be truthful to the recruits. If you're going to say to them they've got training that can be useful, then I believe the U.S. government has a moral obligation yes, to serve on that. And I, I just want you to know one more time that I'm an advocate and I'm looking. I've just got my ear to the ground on ways we can make this happen. Mm -hmm. Well, Ann, I know that you're a busy girl. You got wearing about nine different hats, but you know Operation Confidence needs your grant writing experience, so you can't get yeah. away. Yeah, we'll and what we it. need to do first, though, and the most important thing is let's decide it's not the writing of the grant at all. It's who are you going to go to mm -hmm. that has, uh, you could put out 20 well-written grants and send them out to 20 wrong places. Exactly. Well, that's your expertise. I think there are some wealthy people in this country oh, at, God, yeah. that we need to identify who love America. Mm -hmm. and who want to make sure that veterans are essentially not pulled in, like the lost leader in advertising. Pull right. in Kmart with a, you know, some sort of special, and in the long term, you, you come out spending $89 or whatever. So the point is that, that I, I'm here. I just want you all to know we'll find a way, and it will appear that we have to have our ear to the ground. If we don't recognize it, then then we will lose it. Well, I think we're being heard finally too, you know, yeah. through this through this opportunity and we're gonna even go further. So right. thank you so much for your input. Uh so you Taylor, baby girl. <laughs> she hates for me to say that. Um I have a classmate Jerry who had long been interested in doing some sort of volunteer work and when he heard that the local anti-drug coalition was bringing in a famous author to do a lecture on volunteerism he was really excited about going but when he went to the lecture no sign language interpreter was present annoyed that such a large event didn't make it possible for him to enjoy the lecture uh, Jerry left before applications and brochures and on volunteering were handed out. Then my neighbor Katrina wanted her son Ricky to get involved with the citywide after school tutoring program. Transportation was provided for students in the program, but none of the buses used to take the students to and from the tutoring site were wheelchair accessible. Uh, while Ricky uh, really could use some help with his math classes, he was unable to participate in the program. When a church member, Emilio's wife died, he started attending a local support group for people who had lost loved ones. The support group facilitator always gave out lots of articles and other clippings that the other support group members said were very helpful, but Emilio was unable to use them because he had a visual impairment and the facilitator never made any copies available in large type. Discouraged, he stopped attending the support group. Alexis, 22, had cerebral palsy. 
to his wheelchair and could only use his right hand. He had to drop out of school at 15 because there were no ways there was no way for him to reach classrooms on the upper floors of the school or use the toilet. Before that, he relied on other students for cleaning staff to carry him and his wheelchair. But as he gained weight, this became impossible for his entire life. He has to rely on his mother, now 65, to use the toilet, shower, and get dressed. His mother suffered from severe back pain that sometimes keeps her in bed for weeks. Um, his mother said um, sometimes she feels ashamed when she's struggling to help her son. She tries to minimize the request and the requests are quickly minimized. Um, she wished she could have someone to assist, but on the state where they live, um, the responsibility falls on the family. Some accessibility accommodations are simple. Some are complex. But all are important and add diversity in society. I hope as a person who uses a wheelchair that I've given you enough information to get started on making your community, organization, or initiative more accessible. Wow, that was deep. <laughs> Thank you, Preston. And that's so true. Charles, take it away. Yeah. Trapped and forced to hop down a staircase. A friend sues his apartment owner. Now, a friend of mine, William, is suing management at his apartments after he was denied accommodations for his physical disability. William, a 70-year-old wheelchair user, uh, his leg was amputated due to the war and now uses a prosthesis. The complex's management refused to move him to a unit that does not require use of an unreliable elevator forcing him to miss appointments because he was trapped in his unit. The sometimes, this sometimes had to, I mean, he had sometimes had to hop down the staircase while someone else carried his wheelchair. He has also been trapped in the elevator when it broke down while he was inside. William and his daughter requested management to relocate him to the main floor where he could enter and exit his, his apartment freely. The on-site manager told my friend there was no main floor unit available. After my friend was later unable to return his, to his apartment from the ground floor because the elevator was broken down again, he once again spoke to management about moving. Management alerted him that there may be a unit available soon, but he would need to provide written documentation from a health care provider stating that he was unable to use the staircase. Really? William provided a letter from his doctor and his request was denied. Instead, management moved a new tenant into the vacant main floor unit. Management argued the request was unnecessary because there are doors to the exterior of the building on his floor, but they exit to a courtyard with steps and a hill and do not act as entrances to the building. They really never provided a lot of proof stating there was no apartment available and they also didn't promise to put him on a waiting list. They've obscured all evidence and just, be, just been obstructive throughout the whole process. The building was named in earlier complaints as well. The 40-unit senior housing apartment complex was built in 2015, a site of a former school. Since it opened its doors, the management who runs the property has had multiple uh, issues meeting accommodations for its tenants. 
said by the executive director of the Fair Housing Advocates Association. Fair Housing, a nonprofit committed, pro committee, provides safe and affordable housing throughout the city, has assisted two other attendants in reasonable accommodation requests within the same housing development. In one other case, management denied a woman's request for a handicapped parking space. In another one, they failed to address the needs of a tenant with a mental disability whose unit overlooked a loud, busy road despite a doctor's note corroborating the adverse effect on her condition. The building is run for the elderly tenants and people with disabilities issues continue to arise. Fair Housing completed an investigation and assisted William in filing a charge with the Civil Rights Commission in 2020, who ruled there was a probable cause for discrimination. You know, that's so um, horrible. It, it is. I, I can tell you, uh, how long has this been now? About eight years ago, I was doing, uh, I signed up with the, uh, the, um, it wasn't the ADA, but it was the fair housing, something like that. And, uh, and I was doing, uh, I was going to different uh, apartment complexes to rent out a, an apartment and see if they would make, um, accommodations. So, it was like they hired people like myself who uses a wheelchair and they had able-bodied people to do. We went in at different times to, to, um, to see if they would, uh, the different buildings would hire you or did, did, or not hire you because of your disability. So it was, it was kind of covert. It was an undercover. So, like you know, and so the person that had the disability would go in, um, after the the able-bodied or before it, I don't know the, the the if that mattered, but for the same unit, and then we would see, you know, so there was a report, and I would have to report, you know, we would ask them could they put uh, bars on the showers, could they, you know, take the um, the 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 threshold out, you know, things like that, and and so some places were very accommodating, some weren't, and uh, you know, and. Uh, and so at the end of the day, you know, there was a big report that went out uh, for the um, the fair housing. I forget who it was run by, but, uh, you know, th these things are little things like this matter. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. You, know, hey, so you, know, you know, this is Richard. You know what? I used to be with the Fair Housing Council of San Gabriel Valley uh -huh. before all the strokes. Before I was with the San Gabriel Valley Fair Housing. I had to coordinate with their main offices, not only in Washington, but also in San Francisco, which is operated by HUD, the Housing Urban Development, because they're the ones who handle fair housing. Mm -hmm. So I had to do the same thing as Charles, which were known as testers. They yeah. were testing the system in regards to any accommodations mm -hmm. or denials. And if there's denials, I have to make a report about that. And that way, fair housing will step in. Right. Wow, that's amazing. They had something similar, but I don't think they're that active anymore with the uh, Department of Disabilities for the city of Los Angeles. Years uh, ago. They're, they're supposed to be, yeah. They're supposed to be. Yeah, I was a part of that investigation. And, it's, and, and, and you know, really nothing really happened. Here it is, someone would want to go to a restaurant, and the only accommodation they had was maybe sitting upstairs, and you come in there in a wheelchair, and I yeah. mean, and ramps and staircases, and I mean, just horrible, you know? So anyway, that was a good report. Thank you, Charles. Yeah, I know the reality of that is, you know, the bottom line is you can't have every business to be able to, you know, because I mean, the reality is 
there are businesses that are places with steps and stairs and things like that is you know but but uh you know the ones that are are floor level or you know don't have stairs or no elevator you know um a lot of them they try to accommodate but then you know some of them they just don't care you know, you know where you live in in the long beach and, and there's a large uh disabled population out there and your building is is wonderful isn't it oh well not really you know no. <laughs> I know we ain't gonna start that lie now. <laughs> my, my building is I live, you know, my you know, I'm in a one bedroom, but um I'm on the floor that you come in so so literally I, I can see the Queen Mary from where I'm sitting right now. Um and so but I have three levels of parking under me. And and oh. uh, so so the street level is the same as the floor here I'm on. But uh, you know, for I park, I park downstairs, and there's an elevator. So, and you know, I mean, you know, this building and I are the same age. This building was built in 1963, the year I was born. So, you know, and I'm not gonna say no. It's you know, there, there are a lot of things, but it's not. This is not a uh, disability um, uh, building for people in wheelchairs. It wasn't made uh, for to be disabled, you know. And so oh. there, there have been. A couple of other guys who who lived in this building in uh, wheelchairs uh, throughout the years, and uh, five six years ago we had a blackout, and we didn't have any. You know, there was a transformer that blew here in the city, and in this close to here, we didn't have power for three days. Oh, for me it was okay because I can go straight out my door and out the front door of the building. Okay. Well, I just couldn't uh, park downstairs. You know, they actually, uh, management just let me park up in the front. We have a circle cut, like a, a half. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. But the other guys, they live up on the 13th floor, the 14th floor, or the, the 8th floor. They they were either at home to stay or had to get out and go get a room. You know, it was. Because uh, it's jet black. I'm trying to get to their apartment. Oh, yeah. You know, and, you know, the, and, you know, the sad part about it is, you know, and I'm going to put it on blast because I don't care, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so this this building is owned by the Sterlings, you know, mm. the, the the Clippers, you know, and oh, it's, Lord. you know, so so you know, it was like they don't care. All they're all about the money, and I don't care if they know, you know, kick me out, you know, <laughs> I'm gonna leave anyway. But uh, you know, but you know, and and you know, they got fined because they didn't have uh, and, you know, so so here we are with blackout for three days, no lights in the stairwells, none, none of that stuff, you know, and they got. You know they but got the apartment's fault of the city. That's the, it's the, the owner's fault. The owner's fault. No, I mean the blackout. It was was it throughout the oh, city? Oh, the blackout was because of the city, but but you know the, the, the you know it was a transformer that exploded. Oh, okay. So, but if you have a building and you have tenants, you need to take care of them. Yeah, 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 and, and taking wow. care of them being bring in some you know little battery operated lighting for them yeah they, i mean they didn't have any none no no lighting in the stairwells at all so you had elderly people all kinds of people who had to walk up to their places and they're like oh and the elevators didn't work right exactly you know it was pitch black you oh know? god so, that's horrible i said i'm not gonna start lying now you know just you know <laughs> You know, I mean, I like my view and all, but uh, you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Well, it's about the quality of life. It is. It's it is. truly about the quality of life, and that, that's something that everyone, every single human being, deserves oh, exactly. the best quality yeah. of life. Yeah. Josh, you had something to say. Uh, no, no, I was just listening, but I can. Yeah, and you know, so, 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 you know, and so for me, 
you know, um, I'm just, I've, I've never lived in a, a building that was uh, ADA compliant or whatever. I've always, you know, either whether I own my own house or, or you know, something like this, it just, I, I'm, you know, I've always been a, uh, an athlete and all, so I get, I make it, I get by, you know, so. Right. Well, it's but, on you to continue on now with your hot news. Uh, you ready to wind it down? Or do we wind it? Uh, yeah, we winding it down. News, okay. You know, this to, you know the, the hot news is like the sun with a little, I always say a little hot sauce on this. It's hot and flavorful. Today's hot news is about the uh, you know operation confidence and the employment partner with Amazon. Um, I'm not going to read them all off. I'm just going to tell you where they're these uh, located. Yeah, yeah, all the the where, there's a list of job opportunities now hiring at the following uh, Amazon location at Santa Clarita, at Simi Valley, Chatsworth, Valencia, Burbank, Camarillo, uh, over at the Los Angeles Delivery Station, Gardena, Huntington Beach. And uh, all of these places, what they're offering is, uh, you know, you're doing a sortation uh, uh, so associates, you know, you sort, scan, and load customers' orders to fulfill for the same day and two-day shipping delivery times. You know, and there are full and part-time jobs. Um, here are some of the websites you can go to check it out. It's uh, Amazon.com slash hourly jobs near me. Uh, Amazon.com slash student job, student hourly jobs, Amazon.com slash military jobs, and then Amazon.com slash W, I mean, uh, PWD hourly jobs. Can you repeat those websites? Sure. Amazon.com slash hourly jobs near me, uh, Amazon.com slash student hourly jobs, Amazon.com slash military jobs, Amazon.com slash PWD hourly jobs. Don't forget, applications are uh, live now and uh, and fill up quickly. So they are asked to uh, you are asked to have everyone in need of a job there in LA to have their candidates to send in as soon as possible. And uh, I would also suggest that candidates also text Amazon to seven seven zero eight eight in order to be alerted when more applications are open. And here's the contact person. Read, read oh. that uh, Amazon number again. That Amazon uh, text Seven. is yeah. 77088. That's Amazon, text Amazon to 77088. And the contact person over there is Crystal Martinez. She's a staffing coordinator through LAX North and uh, workforce sta staffing. Her email is M as in Mary, M as in Mary, cry. C-R-Y-S-T-A. So M-M-C-R-Y-S-T-A at Amazon.com. That's M-M-C-R-Y-S-T-A at Amazon.com. And then, uh, you know, you can go to all of these jobs and, uh, you know, this is this is that stuff. Okay. And now, with, with uh, you know, with all of that said and done, now let's just go have a little fun, you know. <laughs> As we sign off. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to show you my... Uh, a little short, uh, I like to do a little animal humor here, you know, and uh, today's little short clip is, uh, you know, you know we, we, we'll, we'll just check it out first. You know? <laughs> uh, let's see. Okay. It's not about the cat, so don't get the... Uh... Spread cock-a-doodle-doo. Oh, I 
Hey, Cornelius passed out, y'all. Oh, no, it's all good. I just approached that note wrong. Hey, cue up a bowl with cornflakes. Let me get my feet together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Charles, it's something else. <laughs> Did you get that one that I sent you about that little boy? You said you couldn't open it, I think, huh? Charles, you muted. I couldn't open it. Yeah, I couldn't open it, you know. So. Okay, well, that's okay. But anyway, that was cute. Okay, yeah. take it away, Taylor. We're saying goodbye now. Yes, ma'am. Before Miss Connie closes the show, I would like to remind our viewers and listeners about our amazing advertisement rate. We have 20 and 30 second advertisement slots available. Please email info at operationconfidence.org for more information and visit Operation Confidence's website at www.operationconfidence.org and also go to our resource page for some amazing resources. In addition, I would like to inform our viewers and listeners about Amazon Smile. When making your next purchase on Amazon, go to Amazon Smile and type in Operation Confidence in the Choose Your Organization donation box. Amazon will make a small donation to Operation Confidence. And to get involved in Operation Confidence Tiny House Project, visit our website and send us a message on how you would like to be involved. Okay, since we're running out of time, we're going to skip the positive redirection and boot. We have we have to try to end it at four so that we can have all that air time. So we want to uh, always let our our readers, I'm sorry, our viewers and our listeners to know that the goal for the show is to raise awareness about Operation Confidence Mission, which is to buy stable housing with a wide range of supportive services. So to get involved with our grassroots efforts, please send us an email at info at operationconference.org. And also please subscribe to our American Invisible Heroes YouTube channel. We started out on last year around June and to date we have over 69,000 views and going up every week. Okay, so on last but not least, we're also on a satellite radio called The Block 105 and that's on every Saturday two-hour show from 10 to 12 noon. Please turn it on at that time. Love all of you guys. We had a great show. Thank you. God bless and all right. say bye, everybody. Bye. Aloha. And, uh, everybody. See you next week. Aloha. Aloha. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. It's on you, Charles. That's what I said. That's what I said. Bye-bye.